Hello and welcome to the the week four Football Outsiders recap show here on Monday afternoon. Could be Monday morning depending on where you are located within the U.S. or around the world. But I am your host, Ian O'Connor, Senior Data Analyst here at Football Outsiders. Joining me as always on Monday morning, Monday afternoon, is Mike Tanier, Senior Analyst for Football Outsiders. Mike, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. You seem a little mixed up, whether it's Monday or afternoon. Could it have been the 15 hours of football that we all ingested yesterday? Got you a little messed Absolutely, up. yeah. And it's the, the mornings go by so fast for us on Monday, so it still feels like morning. Uh, and here we are, <laughs> 1 o'clock here, where, where we are. But but getting started, the, before we get started, I just want to remind you about the great promo that we have going on with Underdog Fantasy. You can play on Underdog Fantasy with us, and you can double your first deposit up to $100 using promo code OUTSIDERS. And you may know them as uh, big in best ball. Even with the NFL best ball season over the, the season-long best ball, they do still have other user-friendly game formats to spice up all the NFL action. Uh, they've got a thing called Battle Royale, which is a six-round best ball style draft with simpler chances to win than you have in your traditional daily fantasy sites. Or you can try their pick 'em games where you can wager on players' chances to go higher or lower than their projected stat lines. We've done really well at those the last couple of Mondays, so we're going to get to that a little bit sooner than usual uh, after we get through some of the big big news of the day. And you can do that prop betting even in states where your traditional prop betting currently is not available. Now, Underdog is the fastest-growing fantasy site around, so join us and join the fun over at underdogfantasy.com. Or download Underdog in the App Store. Use promo code OUTSIDERS to double your first deposit up to $100. Again, that's a free $100 using promo code OUTSIDERS. So I know we had kind of our, our big lead leading in, but I think uh, some news just broke. I told you I want to get to uh, briefly Javante Williams, running back for the Broncos. Big injury yesterday. Uh, there really wasn't any optimism around that uh, from what I heard in comments after the game. It didn't come out that he tore his ACL uh, per Tom Pelissero. So that's a big loss for the Broncos, uh, who really had had been kind of dominating that backfield that weren't sure what the split was going to be. It seemed like it was taking on a lot more. Um, we're going to get to the Broncos uh, as a team, but just, I guess, anything you want to add on that? Again, just a big loss for a, a young star that, that people have really, especially fantasy-wise, that's a big loss. Yeah, and that's the thing. I, I'll leave the fantasy element to you. In the Broncos situation yesterday, all of a sudden their offense became sort of a three-and-out machine. The moment Javante Williams was gone. Well, he's a great tackle breaker. He, you know, he, he makes guys miss. He creates a ability to stay in front of the sticks that the Broncos desperately needed. He was out. It took him until the fourth quarter to readjust. It's another big blow for an offense that's not playing well. Lost mm -hmm. Tim Patrick. It's kind of losing its bread and butter guys at a time when they really need to be trying to, to turn things around. Yeah, and like I said, we'll get to them. The, the big news, though, uh, had some big wins yesterday for some uh, Super Bowl contenders. The Bills, the Eagles, yeah. the Chiefs all won, some in uh, convincing fashion, others comeback fashion. Uh, which of these are you riding with right now as kind of your favorite moving on through four weeks of the season and as we go into the, the, the rest of the season? Well, folks may be able to see Reggie White looking over my shoulder. I don't know how it's cropped. Maybe able to see my Lane Johnson signed Bud Light. Uh, cans and I might be able to see an Eagles uh, cup over my head. So naturally, I'm riding with the Buffalo Bills. <laughs> okay, this is a team that I think would have been four and zero in a variety of other circumstances, starting with a really epic injury rash in Week Three, followed by hitting a very hot Dolphins team, followed by a very hot day, et cetera, et cetera. A team that could very well be be four and zero right now. Got a peek at the um, DVOA. And folks can check out the DVOA right now. There's a sneak preview of the pre-Monday Night Football on the site. And the Bills remain number one. The Eagles are rising to number two. But in so many statistical categories across the board, Bills are still the dominant team in the NFL. And 
they were going into the season, and I have to respect that. What about you? Yeah, I I like Buffalo as well. Um, I think they're just overall. It's close for me though between them and Philly. So we know Buffalo bounced back. They were down twenty to three, and then gave up zero points yeah. after the three thirty nine mark of the second quarter. Ended up eighth overall in DVOA for the week. The offense was really only slightly above average. Defense was sixth. You said they're still the top team in DVOA, that sneak preview. For those of you watching, if you want to get access to all of the, the data and statistics on Monday, instead of waiting until Tuesday, you can do that with an FO Plus subscription. You can sign up for that at footballoutsiders.com slash subscribe. But yeah, the Buffalo's you know, still top team. The Eagles were also in a hole early, 14-0. Ended up with the best DVOA in week four, 30 points higher than the next closest team. And they had the best defensive performance, nearly double the next closest. We saw all that rain up there in Philly. It was a rough game. But really, they got in the hole, and then they just kind of turned it on after that um, and looked really good given the, the elements. And as I said, the numbers, they were the best team of the week. The Chiefs dominated the Bucks really from start to finish last night. That offense looked very good. Uh, third highest offensive DVOA of the week, surprisingly. You want to take a guy? I know you looked at it, so you probably saw who was number two in offense this week. Did you see that? Was it the Seahawks? No, it was Tampa Bay. <laughs> Surprisingly, they had the second best DVOA. Maybe not surprised. They put up points, um, but right. as as kind of one sided as that game was, the you know, ended up only being a ten point game, and they kind of had a couple touchdowns before it when it before letting it really get out of hand uh, with Mike Evans there at the end of the half. But uh, the defense on the other side though was not very good in terms of DVOA. As, as we say, if Tampa Bay's got the highest offense, uh, second highest Kansas City defense probably very good. Second worst ahead of only Detroit. Gave up four touchdowns. They did get a couple fumble recoveries. They're just above average on the season now, which is still better than what we projected them defensive-wise. It's hard not to trust Mahomes, but I just I think the Eagles and Bills both are, are kind of ahead of the Chiefs right now, um, even with last night's performance. Uh, the defenses are just very good uh, to pair with those offenses. I would probably give the slight edge to Philly just because there's not as much um, – Maybe not in a head-to-head, but there's not as much competition in the NFC like we talked about last week. So I think they've got a little better shot uh, there. But, yeah, it's close. I would love to. I don't think they play this year, the the Eagles and Bills, but would love to see them in the regular season because uh, there's no guarantee they're going to meet in the Super Bowl. Right. They do not play each other. We do have in two weeks a Bills-Chiefs game coming up. But I'm just trying to look up real quickly the, uh, the team futures here to see where the mm-hmm. Eagles are in terms of uh, – Conference winner, plus 300 Eagles to win the NFC. And that speaks to the lack of competition that you're uh, talking about. Bills right now are plus 200 to win the AFC. Chiefs plus 350 to win the AFC. So if I'm, I'm if I'm looking for value, I'd probably take the Eagles plus 300 in a bet rather mm-hmm. than the Bills plus 200 because there's simply more meat on the bone. And that's interesting, too, because Buffalo has better odds. And they're in a tougher conference, yeah, <laughs> being right. plus 200 versus plus 300. So that just goes to show how much faith people have in the Bills uh, come out of the AFC. And Aaron and I joke about this on the Thursday show. You can watch Aaron Schatz and I on Thursday here on the live stream. The house does a lot of the same things DVOA does. We're probably about to get to that when we talk about the Monday night game. Mm-hmm. But, like, we run with DVOA to the house. Like, oh, the house doesn't know this. And, that, of course, the house has their in-house – calculations that are very similar to DVO. And it's like, yeah, we know that we're here. We're here with you here with you. Try place a bet. <laughs> we know what you know. Absolutely. Yeah. And speaking of Monday night, we'll, we'll dive right into that at the top uh, today versus uh, at the end of the show, like we have in the past few weeks, kind of rushing through it, yes. but we've got the Rams plus two. That's right. Plus two at San Francisco, 42 and a half point total in this one. Still pretty low there. 
San Francisco offense was not very good last week. L.A. really hasn't, I don't think it's any surprise, hasn't looked as good as they looked last year. Uh, beat the Cardinals just 20-12 to 12 last week. Um, the the San Francisco, that defense is second in yards allowed, third in points, number three in DVOA, I think, prior to this weekend's games or even Thursday's game. San Francisco is a home favorite, but our projected line with Football Outsiders actually had L.A. as a slight favorite, and that is something else you can get access to with a Football Outsiders subscription. FO Plus is access to all of our NFL picks, showing our projected lines versus the market lines, uh, and then they're ranked by confidence for straight up as well as against the spread. So, again, that's an FO Plus subscription. I sided with with us, and I think L.A. Uh, is going to win this one. I think it stays under 42.5 points. A couple good defenses, Jimmy Garoppolo, has not really looked very good since coming in. Um, what you? What are, what are your thoughts on this? What's your take on the Monday Night Football, if, have, if at all? It's really a hard one. I have no feel for these teams. I have no feel for the Rams whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And I saw them get boat raced in the opener. Uh, saw them grow flat against the Falcons and the Cardinals in games that they should have taken care of. Yep. See so little that doesn't involve Cooper Cup, Aaron Donald, Ramsey and one or two other guys. So little from everything else that I don't know what their avenues to victory are besides go get them superstars. At the same time, I turn to the 49ers and I've got a rain game and I've got the punt fest from Sunday night, which feels like six months ago. Yeah. <laughs> where I'm looking at Jimmy Garoppolo again, kind of running a version of the old Garoppolo offense, but it's not quite firing. And it's like, I, I these teams do not look like the, the 49ers and Rams. On paper, they look like the 49ers and Rams from last year. On the field, they're like this weird, like watered-down version of both of them, and I hate it. I like the under, but I hate the line, and I hate the matchup. Yeah, and last year, you mentioned the the Rams from last year and the 49ers. They were the last two teams standing in the NFC last yeah. year, but when yeah. you watch them, it does not look like that at all. Right, right. It's just, it's like, And again, it's so much similar personnel, mm-hmm. and yet it doesn't seem like the results are anywhere near it. Now, maybe we'll get some clarity tonight. Yep. But I don't I don't want to bet on that clarity. But if you've got props. We do have some props. Yeah, we got some some good ones, I think. Let's I said we've been been hot the last couple of weeks. Went five for five on the underdog pick'em last week on Monday night. So that was pretty awesome. The three I picked here. Uh starting with I went Matthew Stafford. Um under 250 and a half passing yards. That's on underdog, but also DraftKings and Caesars. A couple other places like FanDuel, I think, had him at like 246 or 247 and a half passing yards. He's only topped 250 once this year, and that was week two against Atlanta, and it was 272. San Francisco has been good against the pass. They're fourth overall. Haven't even allowed a 200-yard passer this year. To be fair, we had Geno Smith was one of those uh, who lit it up yesterday. <laughs> was one of the best fantasy performers. But week one, you mentioned, was Justin Fields in the rain. Uh, last week, Russell Wilson, who had a good game this week, but that defense has been really good. Um, and then Stafford only had 238 and 243 in two regular season games against them last year. He did have 337 in that playoff game, but that was a, a come-from-behind game where they were losing and threw the ball a lot. So I'll, to start, I like the Stafford under 250 and a half. Um, Cooper Cup is a popular one, but over 93 and a half receiving yeah. yards at FanDuel and Caesars. Coming off a season-low 44 yards against Arizona. But against Arizona last year, that's been a tough matchup for them. He had was below 65 yards in two of three against them last year, mm-hmm. the Cardinals. So not super surprising. I mean, it's Cooper Cup. You don't expect him to only have 44 yards. But last week was, it was a little <laughs> different. Uh, in three games against San Francisco last year, he went 11 for 122, 7 for 118 and a touchdown, Ooh. 11, 142, and two touchdowns in the NFC Championship game. So he was over 100 yards the first two games. So I, I like him over that 93 and a half. 
again, that's FanDuel and Caesars is a couple couple yards below. Some of the others were like 95 and a half, I think. Okay. And then a couple on the San Francisco side, Brandon Ayuk at four and a half catches. This one is a little bit tougher, um, but I do like it. Uh, he's got eight targets in each of the last two games, mm-hmm. tied for most last week, and then led the team in week two. The last two games against the Rams uh, last year went four for 49 on eight targets, six for 107. Um, so underdog, originally I took it for the pick tonight because it's four receptions even, and you just have to get to that four. I think okay. San Francisco is going to have to throw the ball a little bit more, especially the way L.A. has been against the run this year. They're second against the run, I think, and only 23rd against the pass. Hmm. They're also dead last defending passes to number two wide receivers, only 28th against number one. So him and Debo could both have have big games. But I think he's going to get enough targets in the receptions. The yardage, um, he doesn't get a ton of yardage a lot of times. So that one made me a little nervous. So I'll go with the receptions there. Yeah, when I'm doing Garoppolo-related things, I want reception totals, not yardage totals for obvious reasons. I do get a little nervous when we talk about number one, number two receivers for the Niners because of Debo being a slot, all-purpose guy. It's not necessarily like, oh, he's on the right boundary and he's going to get Ramsey or whatever. The Cooper Cup is interesting because the 49ers generally are terrible at stopping deep passes. and I know they're in the bottom quartile in DVOA. I don't have the number in front of me. It's stopping deep passes this week. So what was that prop at 96, 93 and a half yards, 93 and a half. That's one or two deep balls. And then the screen game that they do to get, mm-hmm. to get him involved and you're there. So that one looks good, but normally I hate quarterback unders. Me too. <laughs> you really sell Yeah. Cause it's like, ah, oh, now I'm rooting for punts, but the Stafford under is really speaking to me because even if Cooper cup feeds, I don't like the rest of that receiving mm-hmm. core. I don't think Stafford likes the rest of that receiving core. <laughs> And it's, it's a very good chance that we could get a 10-125 from Cup and then mm-hmm. bean dip from everybody else yeah. and get that under. So I'd be leaning towards that Stafford under. That that one and the, and the – actually, all three of them sound good. I think the Stafford and the Cup are the two ones that I'm really looking at. Yeah, and just like last year, I mean, you just said it, you, Stafford had the two, 238, 243 in those two regular mm-hmm. season games, and Cup still had 122 and 118. So wow. over wow. half of the production, basically, uh, in those two. So – Cup, you know, is going to get it. One other one I did did like Jeff Wilson Jr. His reception line is at two on underdog on the pick'em. Uh, on all the books, it was two and a half. He has at least two catches in every game so far. I think it's two, two, three, or two, three, three. So I think you know, you just getting a couple dump downs. The uh, the the Rams are really good defending passes to running backs. I think they were number one or number two when I looked right. it up this morning. Um, but for him just to get two catches again, the yardage was low, but, but I'll take, you know, just a couple catches. He's got at least two of them in each game so far. And the rest of that backfield is pretty banged up. So, uh, (laughs) that's another one that, that I'm putting an underdog as well. So I'm going to might go with the four, might try and find a fifth, uh, to get the maximum, maximum payout. I did the insurance on it last week. So that's something really cool they have where you can insure it instead of winning 20 times your money, you win 10 times your money. If you get four out of five. Um, so it's hard to get five, so I like to do the insurance a little bit, but mm-hmm. may try and find a fifth one there. But yeah, that's hopefully we can keep rolling. Like we said, the last pretty much every week so far, I think we've hit our props on Monday. This is my favorite part of the show, which is why we moved to the front of the show. So I'm going to log out now and listen listen to you. Talk. <laughs> I'll just keep I'll keep going and and just talk and talk and talk. And go <laughs> <laughs> I'll drink my soda. No, so we'll move on from Monday Night Football and another big storyline from the weekend is the Steelers quarterbacks. Uh, Mitchell Trubisky came out. Kenny Pickett went in. Interestingly, Pickett did not have a pass hit the ground, but three of them were interceptions. <laughs> it was 10 of 13, 10 completions, 
three completions to the other team. But hey, I mean, that's that's something not a lot of people can say. But really, it just the, the quarterback controversy starting already. Who should be quarterback for Pittsburgh? What do you think? The quarterback controversy started yeah, at the draft. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I, I got it. I kind of got to see it. I was sitting next to a bunch of Steelers fans mm-hmm. and they're like, like, like the energy like rises up from these guys when this happens. And of course, Pickett comes in, throws an interception mm-hmm. and they're like, well, that's, that was, you know, that, that was Claypool's fault. That was, it's double coverage. There's like guys draped yeah. all over Claypool. It's Claypool's fault. It's like, okay, you like the rookie. That's fine. And then he, he, you know, he had a couple, they were running the read option with him and he was running the ball because, you know, Kenny Pickett's Lamar Jackson now, but right. <laughs> you know, he, he had a few he, rushing touchdowns. I think I forgot if it was him or Wilson that had, no Wilson caught the touchdown pass. Pickett right. had a few rushing. Yeah. He, so, so he, he ran it and everything. The bottom line is, first of all, the young man's not going, not ready yet. Mm-hmm. He's definitely not ready for the following four games of the Pittsburgh Steelers schedule at the bills, Buccaneers, at the Dolphins, at the Eagles. Okay. Yeah. Then he's going to New Orleans after that. There might not be a Kenny Pickett <laughs> by the end of all of that. And, and the other portion of this is we're really seeing what degree this is the Matt Canada offense. Roll out purgatory. That's what I call this offense. It's roll out purgatory. You are stuck watching the play action boot, you know, throw to the sideline that most teams run twice a game. You're seeing it 12 times a game. And it's while that's the case, I don't think it matters who the quarterback is. So I, I was on record last week. Keep Trubisky in there until that murderer's row ends. Then you get to your bye. And it's like, all right, pick it. You know, season's lost or whatever. Get in there. And you're not facing Von Miller or whatever. Do your best. So that's where I land on it. Yeah, and I'm the same way. I, said I had that, the same thing. Their schedule coming up is just tough. Yeah. I mean, Pittsburgh, I don't think it's it's a, a hot take to say they're not winning the Super Bowl. Probably <laughs> not making the playoffs. They're dead last in the division right now, and they have just an 8% chance to make the playoffs. Uh, as of this morning, they dropped. They had like the third biggest drop in playoff odds from their yeah. loss and other teams winning. Um, then the playoff odds, those are premium stat as well. Am I right, Mike? I think the playoff odds are free, but I'm not sure. Okay, those either way, you can find those on Football Outsiders on the website under the, the Fantasy and Betting tab. Um, if they are available, they're on there. If not, that's, again, something you can get with an FO Plus subscription. So, really, if you can't tell yet or haven't been able to tell, there's a lot of really good stuff you get with an FO Plus subscription. So, if you don't already have one, grab one, and you can get a lot of, uh, of really uh, useful content. Uh, people really spend a lot of time on that. Mike, you're one of those guys and does a great job, so a lot of good stuff there. But, yeah, Pittsburgh, not, not really going anywhere this year. Uh, through no fault of Mike Tomlin, we know how great he is as a coach. Uh, just it, when you don't have a quarterback, <laughs> it's tough. And I, I really, to be honest, thought Trubisky would be a lot better than he's been. Yeah. Um, he really, I don't, I haven't watched a ton of their games, but doesn't have the rushing yard. I don't think he's topped like ten yards. I don't know if they've really designed any runs for him yeah. or, or to use him a lot. So it's, it's you know that's kind of part of his game or always has been, but hasn't really thrown the ball well. Um, so it's kind of you know there, there's really. You don't lose anything by switching to Pickett, I don't think, or you maybe you do a little bit just because he's a rookie, not been around a while. But like we said, it's not like you're you're taking a chance on taking a playoff team and dashing your hopes by going with Kenny Pickett. So, uh, but you got to keep him alive and healthy, like you said. How many times did we see the Browns put a quarterback uh, back there on a terrible team behind a terrible line, just get destroyed, and they were never never able to succeed? Pretty much doomed from the start. So, um, yeah, I, I think. You know, you really can't go wrong 
either way from a success standpoint on what the, the rest of the season looks for. But health-wise, it might not be super smart yet until you get out of this next uh, stretch. It's more like you can't go right. Like, no matter what, this is yeah. what it is. So the, the, the logic is we're going to develop the youngster. Then, okay, well, that makes sense. But there is that other concern overlaid with it that, yeah, you develop him into a rickety mess because he was eaten by Shaq Barrett and Von Miller and yeah. Hassan Reddick. Yeah, and then going to transition to a potentially – uh, potentially another quarterback controversy, maybe a team that potentially does have a Super Bowl run in them. We have uh, James Peer who says, already says no, they cannot because they have a bottom five head coach. That is uh, absolutely true, the things true. we've seen from McCarthy out there. But Dak's going to be coming back potentially uh, this week or the next couple weeks, I think. But I don't know if anyone expected the Cowboys to win with Cooper Rush going. They had the Bengals first. I certainly thought the Bengals would, would get on track in, in week two and win. Yeah. Um, this past week against Washington, I think that was one when we did in our staff predictions, that was one of our questions that that second week was what would their record be? I thought they would lose to Cincinnati. They have the uh, had the, the Giants in Washington. I was like, eh, I think they'll win one of those. But they're 3-0 and with him now and sitting at 3-1. and uh, It's still going to be tough to win the division, but I mean, he's kept them in that race, which is something most people, I know I wrote them off after the DAC injury for even winning the division. What do you think? Do they have what it takes to to make the playoffs there in Dallas with that combination of Cooper Rush until Dak comes back this week, next week, or pretty here soon, I think, whenever that is? Yeah, I think Dak's going to be back sooner than later at this point. Um, and I've, been, I've done a couple of radios, and apparently there's a Cooper Rush-Dak Prescott quarterback controversy trying to get whipped up. Like, we're trying to turn the engine on a Cooper Rush bandwagon here. Because that's that's what we do in our industry here. We especially with Cowboys fans, Cowboys fans, James, everyone else, y'all are fun to fun to rile up. So we come up with this stuff. But uh, I don't believe that there will ever be a serious Cooper Rush, Dak Prescott controversy. That was tried with Andy Dalton. There's a just a reality check that comes mm -hmm. in. Right now, Rush has played well, but it's starting to wind down. Like he played very very well in the earlier games. On Sunday, it was pretty much pass interference, penalties, or bust, and some and some checkdown stuff, and that was like the Cooper Rush experience. The Cowboys are a pass rush with a team attached, right now. Mm -hmm. Okay, pass rush is absolutely fantastic, stirring the drink for everything else they do, creating the opportunities for the offense, and that's what got them through these three games. Obviously, the Bengals game. When Dak returns and Michael Gallup is back, mm -hmm. and Drew, yeah, he scored in his debut. Scored and drew two pass interference penalties. So he, they're covering him. They're worried about him. It's not just C.D. Lamb anymore. Uh, Jason Peters is starting to get into the game at guard, but like they're trying to sort their offensive line out a little bit. This could be a situation where they make a run. Now, James is right. M McCarthy's a ninny, but if you just – if it's go get him, Micah, go get him, Micah, and that's half the battle coaching-wise, mm -hmm. then in a weak NFC, this is a team that can stay in the hunt and, yeah, they'll be in the Eagles' rear view for a while, but be there, playoff time, with good seating, possibly sneak away with the division, if not be a top wildcard team. Yeah, and they're sitting sit three and one, tied with the Giants. Uh, they're second, both three and one behind the Eagles, of course. But Cowboys still 73, almost 73.5% chance to make the playoffs, over 50% in the wildcard. The division, no surprise, is Philly uh, pretty high up there. But, I mean, it, it's he's done a lot. He's, he's done his job, basically. Uh, what he was supposed to do is come in, keep them above water, and they've done better than that. But uh, and to your point, you know they can make a run in the NFC, but you know it's going to be more on the the defense. They've they've 
they've stayed good against the against the pass. Um, only average against the run. Bottom eight of the league. Uh, they were 16th last year, so it's it's going to be um, interesting to see kind of what happens if they're – I'm sure there's not a quarterback controversy kind of going right. back. Uh, Dak's going to be the starter when he comes back. But if he struggles, I mean, you know, may, maybe more than in the past, they'll be calling for uh, Cooper Rush back in. Who knows? Oh, my God. Anything anything is possible. The, the fact is there's no complete team except maybe the Eagles in the NFC right now. Packers, you lived through that journey yesterday. Yeah. Uh, you know, they cannot stop the run at all. Those rookie receivers are an adventure every time. We're seeing the Buccaneers, all their problems with the running game, their defense seems like it's buckling a little bit. A team that does one thing unbelievably well, rush the passer, could stay in this conversation. Yeah. And you yeah. mentioned with Green Bay that they were my pick for the Super Bowl. And part of that was um, with that, I kind of compared it to what we saw with Tom Brady in his first year in Tampa where they kind of got it going late after their bye. They had their bye the last possible week. Green Bay's got the same thing. And it's, yeah. it's there are things that I see from Green Bay offensively. I'm like, they could really be something if the, the receivers can get it together. Um, I really like Romeo Dubs. I liked him from the start. He's been good. He had the the touchdown that he dropped there at the very end yesterday. But um, I, the, not as much of a panic level for Green Bay um, with me. Dallas, not really either. Denver Broncos, though. Panic level could be pretty high there if you're a Broncos fan, uh, especially with that loss of Javante Williams. We said the defense has been good. They're still falling further behind the AFC West, though. And you mentioned yeah. that second-half offense. They opened the second half with four straight punts, and then Russ ended up getting the rushing touchdown. Yeah. It was their worst overall DVOA of the year, their best offensive performance, which was still below average in DVOA, and their worst defensive performance of the year, but the only game that was below average. So it's like one one side's doing well, the other side's not. They can't put it together. Mm-hmm. Are you panicking on the, the Broncos now if you weren't already? I feel like by the time this team pulls it together, and I have a feeling they can pull it together, by the time they do it, it's going to be do, too late. That the front runners, that the Chiefs and the, and the Bills and the Ravens and things like that, they're going to be moved on. They're going to be two or three games behind the chase. They're going to be in the wild card pool, and they're going to be in no position to, to do what they should be setting out to do, which was this was an idea, like a quick fix Ram-style Super Bowl yep. bid by this team. Um, you mentioned the, the punts. I think it was 3-3 and outs and like 1-4 and out, and those were the four straight punts. Fourth quarter, their defense did buckle. And people don't like to talk about fatigue, but when you went three and out, three and out, three and out, three and out, and then I'm watching the Raiders trying to nurse a two-point lead in the I formation with a fullback and Jacobs and the rookie, eight yards, nine yards, ten yards. That's that, that's a guess defense, and, th- and that's a sign that nobody's playing complimentary football. Defense has been trying to do too much, and it runs out of steam. Offense does nothing, and then it's the fourth quarter, and then it's time for rust magic. Not a good formula. It's not a good formula for what the Broncos are trying to do. Yeah, not at all. And they the, the loss saw them have the second lowest drop in playoff odds. They're now below 50%, down just over 40%. The schedule really isn't that bad over the next month and a half for them, like you said, if they can get it together. They do still have games against the Chargers, Jacksonville and London, the Raiders again, but they've got the Colts this week, the Jets, yeah. the Titans, and the Panthers still uh, up until like Thanksgiving, I think. So there is an opportunity for them if they can, can get a win in the division with uh, the Chargers or the Raiders and win those other games. But it's just it's been tough so far to watch them, and at least Russ Russell Wilson had a, a good fantasy performance for once. For those of you who had <laughs> Russell Wilson, the, the rushing touchdown definitely helps, but <laughs> definitely not what we expected, not necessarily not what we expected, not what a lot of people expected out there uh, in the off season and preseason with Russ coming in. 
How much of it do you think with Russell Wilson, and I've had friends, we've had this conversation, has to do, and I think it was you or maybe Vince on the, the coach ranking show I did with him and mentioned it, you've got a lot of these teams where the quarterbacks and the stars aren't playing at all in the preseason. They don't see the mm-hmm. field. Have you seen or, or noticed that that really has as big of an impact maybe over the years or recently uh, with Russ? Because you see other teams that come out and are still playing very well, um, but especially on a new team, new receivers, is that something you think that that is having an effect and they will end up figuring it out? And they said if they can, but do, do you think that that's maybe a thing at all? I ran the numbers a couple of weeks ago, and it seems to be that there's something there. Mm-hmm. That teams that rested all their starters through the entire preseason, like like sort of like aggressive resting, right? do poorly in week one, did poorly in week one this year, did poorly in week one last year. Then you go back further in the data, no preseason in 2020. Mm-hmm. And before that, it was unbelievably rare to rest everyone. Yep. No team rested everybody except like McVeigh. He was the only one. Now all the little McVeighs, they all do it. and It's catching on. So there's something to it, except that I cannot believe it's a week four phenomenon. I simply yep. cannot. It's a week one phenomenon when you're seeing this team. Oh, they don't know the stat, snap count. The guy's jumping off size. Mm-hmm. The, the center exchange is weak. The plays are coming in late. That's all the stuff the Broncos did in week one. That sounds like, boy, we would have figured this out if we had played a quarter in, the, yep. in a preseason game to discover, oh, these we got to quicken this this routine up. So I don't put any stock in it now. I'll put stock in again 2023 week one when we see teams like the Bengals and the Broncos come out and just lay an egg. Yeah, so hopefully uh, for Broncos fans that they're they're getting things together and they're making some progress. But yeah, it was a bad one given the, the Raiders their first win and, and falling, falling even further behind the Chiefs in that division after they won as well. Moving on to the game that we just talked about a minute ago. We're talking about the Packers, the Patriots. <laughs> what on earth are they going to do now? Mac Jones, all week last week, it was, oh, you know, we're his day by day, day by day, day by day. He shows up to practice Friday and the report is, oh, Mac Jones back at practice. But is he practicing? Obviously sat out with that high ankle sprain. Um, wouldn't expect him back uh, any, <clears throat> any time within the next couple of weeks, but who knows? Uh, and Brian Hoyer gets hurt in the game, concussion, uh, I, I believe. And then so you're on to Bailey Zappi, who was amazing in his last year in college, uh, transferring to Western Kentucky after losing uh, his senior season at Houston. Was it Houston Baptist, Houston Christian? I think I saw that uh, this morning. But almost led a, a, led them to a big win. But I, is, is that for real? Is he going to be good enough to do that on a weekly basis until Mac Jones comes back? Did it look for real? You were watching that game. Did it look for real? I don't know. I mean, I come from, obviously, a Kentucky hat, come from uh, the games where I'm just nervous anytime a backup quarterback comes in because it's happened to Kentucky so many times they just get destroyed. Uh, but yeah, it didn't necessarily look great. The score obviously kept it close. But, yeah, uh, you know, they, they – Almost pulled it out, but didn't. <laughs> Thankfully. The Packers just gave them the ball, gave them the ball, gave them the ball, gave yep. them points off of turnovers, gave them the ball. Eventually, you get the play action open touchdown, but it was a lot of running and screens and standing there for eight or nine seconds and waiting for the sack to happen to him. And, the, you know, and again, this is not like a knock on Zappy. You shouldn't right. be out there at this point in his career. Um, right now, you know, whenever you see like an X Men movie, they show you Wolverine and he's like, in the Weapon X project, and they're putting the super soldier serum in him. Mm. 
that's what they're doing to Mac Jones right now. Okay. They're, they're, they're doing like weird experimental stuff to try and get him on the field. And that's what we saw on Friday. We're like, ha we're going to put him behind a, 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 a fence and have him stand there and throw the ball. So you think he's okay. He has a high ankle sprain people. It's going yeah. to be another three weeks or so, unless they do something unbelievably reckless. Useful title is right. It's the Zap Brannigan era. I mean, the Bailey Zappy era. And the good news for that, if there is any good news, is that you got a Lions, Browns, Bears, Jets run. Ooh. I mean, it's with a, if it was Mac Jones out there healthy, I'd say well, yeah. that's two and two, three and one. You can find wins mm-hmm. in there. Yeah. There might be a win or so in there. I mean, the Lions, I don't even know what to, I, I'm tired of talking about the Lions at this point. The Lions <laughs> put up a lot of points, but that's about it. <laughs> they cover. The Lions are going to cover. Okay. That's beyond that. But the big issue here is will the Patriots do something reckless mm-hmm. with Mac Jones in their weird, desperate need to be competitive this season when it's clear that's not what they're destined to be? Yeah, they're <laughs> like we, we talked about, you know, it's a kind of a two horse or it is a two horse race there with uh, the Bills and Dolphins. Uh, Dolphins got their their first loss, but not kind of similar with Pittsburgh, not expecting much uh, from the Patriots. They're probably not going to be or most likely not going to be a playoff team. Um so just don't do anything, like you said. Don't do anything reckless with your your starter just to try and get him out there to get a couple couple extra wins. I mean, you obviously you don't want to look like you're not trying and hold him out and hold yeah. him out when he can be out there playing. Yeah. But you also don't want to risk his future. We we saw it with Tua. Kind of that brings up yeah. obviously different situation, different injury. But don't want to put a guy out there before he's ready just so you can try and get a couple extra wins. The, the signaling and messaging is so weird with this. With Belichick doing his oh so secret, you know secret police east germany soviet block weird thing that he does with this let this player heal okay mm-hmm. stop doing the single well we'll see we'll see if he practices well i don't know he looked pretty good walking through the facility all this corny stuff out there it's bad messaging because i mean I, I saw it ha- carson wentz did it young in his career robert griffin did it early in his career too mm-hmm. it's like i gotta hurry back for my team mm-hmm. or because my job's on the line or because coach is mad and you come rushing back to the uh, to the adulation of the fans for your what you're doing, and you're not right anymore, and you're not moving in the pocket anymore, and suddenly you're a sack machine, suddenly you're you're jittery. Mm-hmm. That that shouldn't be Jack Mac Jones's future because he has a high mm-hmm. ankle sprain, and because Belichick like is trying to prove some point. Yeah, and a lot of those guys as their ultimate competitors, they want to get out there. Yeah. They're, they're winners. They want to play, but they can't. But we can talk about some guys who were winners this week, our biggest winners of the week uh, this week. Mine, I'll start. We mentioned the Detroit. TJ Hawkinson had a monster game, uh, albeit in a loss, but Seattle-Detroit turned into the shootout that we thought it could be uh, with <laughs> not very good uh, defenses. Wait, and wait, wait, wait. You thought it was going to be that shootout? You're messing with me, right? No, I for, I thought I really thought it would Detroit just had a puts up points had a t- but has a terrible defense. So I really thought the Seahawks were going to be able to, to put up some points and and this was going to be a shootout and it turned into it. Uh, and Hawkinson again, winner of the week went eight catches, 179 yards, two touchdowns, a career high in yards, and the biggest thing ended up being the seventh best fantasy score ever for a tight end this week for TJ Hawkinson. So really big game. Jamal Williams also had a big game there with two touchdowns uh, over a hundred yards on the ground, stepping in for Deandre Swift. Um, Got two bad teams that just put up with, with not great defenses that put up a, uh, a a ton of points. So it was a perfect uh, recipe for success in the fantasy world this week in that game. And and it was, so TJ Hawkinson was a big one. And you, I believe uh, picked the guy who also had a big week in fantasy. 
By the way, the ultimate Lions experience. What a big winner of a week they lost. Uh, I picked Austin Eckler, who I believe is the only healthy person left in the Chargers organization. I think that like, like their accountants and their lawyers are injured at this point. Austin Eckler had to go out there and had to do it by himself. I was subtly pulling up the statistics. 60 rushing yards, two touchdowns. Six catches, 49 yards, one touchdown. 10 and 20-yard touchdowns early in the game. And then, most critically, a touchdown at the end to ruin my backdoor cover with the Texans. But you're talking about an opportunity for a, a player to step up with so many people out. Eckler did that. And, you know, that was a big statement win for the Chargers at this point. Because I've, I've kind of written the Chargers off my brain. Like, they're not going to recover from Bosa being hurt. They're going to recover from the left tackle being hurt. They're not going to recover from Gimpy Herbert situation. Big win. Oh, the Houston run DVOA? It's putrid, CCX3. It's horrendous. I, I I don't know if I can pull it up real quick, but it's 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 comically comically horrendous. Yeah, I thought I had it up already, but I didn't. Yeah, we uh, we had it, so it's bad. Trust us. Go go check out the site. It's it's miserable. Twenty ninth uh, after this weekend. Twenty ninth after this weekend. Yeah, so it yeah, was it looks like yeah, it's been updated for today. So they were pretty bad. <laughs> well, they got the Bears game. It was just like, hey, Herbert, mm-hmm. other Herbert, go run, go ham on us, and then when you're not going ham, feel. Fields will, uh, <laughs> Fields will scramble. Trust us, bro. <laughs> yeah, the rough game. And Austin Eckler, the, the touchdown, too. It's funny. I was out watching these games uh, in the, the early afternoon, um, and they had you know all the different games on, and they showed the graphic of Eckler compared to last year. And you know he racked up a ton of catches last week. Really hadn't been as good. And they, you know, they showed his uh, rushing and receiving yards per game average this year versus last year. Touchdowns, it was like 20, 20 touchdowns last year, zero this year. The huh. very next play, he gets in the end zone and scores, <laughs> and then I think scored on the very next drive as well. Right. So they put that up, and it, it was perfect timing for Eckler to get in the end zone for the first time this year. Yeah, yeah. And now we'll move on. They're having trouble. Sorry, running ahead, the ball there. Having trouble running the ball there with the Chargers. They're really low in ru- in rushing DVOA, but mm-hmm. Eckler coming around very positive. Yeah, That's, huge, yeah. huge for them and for for fantasy players out there as well. So move on from the winners of the week to the washouts of the week. I'll let you start this one since I went first uh, on the last one, and you can kick it off. Well, I haven't. It's, it's been four weeks, and I haven't ripped Carson Wentz yet here in this space, <laughs> and that's about to change because what I saw when I when I spooled the tape of this was absolutely shocking. Uh, first of all, he got called for intentional grounding twice. He's now been called for intentional grounding three times this season, which t- takes some doing for a quarterback. I think the all-time record is one. <laughs> That's not true. I'm making that up. But like for that to happen, um, the commanders have taken their offense down to just wide receiver screens and flat stuff. So to prevent the sack travesty that they, that they dealt with against the Eagles and facing that Cowboys pass rush, everything was going into the flat. Everything was going into the flat. And it was – pitiful it was pitiful the commanders were it was a one score game for most of that game mm-hmm. going in before halftime they had about a minute left they're running the ball rather than putting they have no faith right now in their passing game so they're taking the ball out of Wentz's hands in situations where any veteran starting quarterback even like a hot rookie like get us down the field a little bit get get us down the field so this is a offense that currently is, has given up the most sack yards in the NFL and also is only com- is completing under excuse me their completions are gaining less than 10 yards per completion. I believe it's 9.6, which is the second or third worst. So they get sacked and they try to throw deep. So they throw short and they don't get anything out of it. And it, it may be, I mean, I, it should have been Tyler Heineke time, frankly, 
mm-hmm. in April, in May, in June. But I would not be surprised if that rumbling is starting for the Washington Commanders. Yeah, not not great for Carson Wentz there. Mine, uh, I, we said last week we weren't going to use, or whenever, the last week or the week before when we started, so we weren't going to use loser of the week because it sounds bad. But I'm saying it this week, losers of the week, the Dolphins and two of the doctors down in Miami. I know this. the game was on Thursday, so it's been talked a lot about over the weekend. We saw the uh, independent uh, neurotrauma doctor get fired. Everyone involved messed up in that. Never should have been on the field. The Disguising a clear concussion as a back injury, letting him go out four days later, and then the worst possible thing that could happen, happened getting another one. Uh, we know there are changes coming. It's a shame it had to happen that way, though, and it, it's really bad. And my wife is an athletic trainer and in orthopedics and works with a sports medicine doctor, uh, and she said that they went in on on Friday after that game we're talking about, and the doctor that she works with just like, that's unbelievable that that even happened. Like, people are getting fired. Heads are going to roll. That's exactly what's happened. And that's it's really, you know, you hate to see it, um, the first one even. Uh, you know, concussions, they happen in sports. But to let him go out again four days later when a concussion protocol is, what, five days minimum, I think. Right. I think it's different from NFL, college, high school, and things like that. But to go back out again on Thursday and have the this exact same thing happen basically is is really bad. And that's, and I was asking her about it when, when the game was on. Obviously, we all saw the picture of two of his hands, hands there. She was like, that's a – I think she called like second impact syndrome. She was that's basically he, his brain hadn't recovered from the first concussion because it's been – four damn days since the, the first one happened. So that's my, again, washed out of the week, loser of the week. We'll say it this week because that was uh, was pretty bad. So hopefully hopefully two is okay. For everything we've heard, it sounds like nothing uh, very, like a, more serious, I guess. I would say it's already serious, but nothing, uh, it, it, it turned out as well as it could have in a very bad situation. So everything I learned from writing about concussions so often in the early 20 teens and mm-hmm. talking to concussion experts is the variable is time yep. given more time to recuperate. He can, he can get back on the field and all, but the most dangerous and traumatizing thing is rapid fire, rapid fire, rapid fire. That's what causes the most permanent injury. So I hope the dolphins do the right thing and they take their time a little bit uh, yeah. and make sure two is fully ready to, re- to, re- to come back. I'm not, I'm a little pessimistic because I heard the stories about them laughing and, and look, watching videos on phones on the, the, the plane and mm-hmm. I'm pessimistic. I, I just want to, a couple of point to you. Uh, Todd Singer did ask, do you have, were you able to see the Falcons game? Do you know what's up with the Kyle Pitts? I, I didn't he, see a lot of that. I did see though, that his, uh, his, his, it's weird there. And Tom talked about it last week, Tom Strachan on our daily fantasy and betting show on Thursday. And I saw a tweet today, his snap counts have fluctuated a ton. Like they used him in the beginning. I think he was down to like 60% snap yeah. count yesterday or 66, yeah. something like that, which is crazy for, for a guy like that who you drafted in the top 10 last year uh, is as big as, as good as he is. They've got Drake London there now. Uh, but those are two guys you think they should utilize, but they're just, I don't, I don't know what's going on, why they're not utilizing him. Um, it was Tom said on Thursday that it looked like, Last week, he had a big game. He had, I think, eight catches, uh, seven catches, something like that. Or actually, it might have only been five, but he had the five targets, I yeah. think, on like the very first drive or on those uh, what are typically scripted plays. Mm-hmm. And then he said, after those scripted plays run out, it looks like Arthur Smith just kind of can't figure out what to do with him or how to get him the ball, um, which is interesting because Arthur Smith was there last year, too. Uh, granted, it was a different quarterback. They had Matt Ryan. But I, mean, I think Mariota only completed seven or nine passes yesterday. Yes. Um, so it was rough, but 
that yeah, it's it's almost a mystery. I think it's hard to. The only thing I can say is just that now it seems like he's not getting as many snaps, uh, or that's what the numbers said for yesterday. So I I don't know what to make of that when you've got a guy of that caliber. The snaps thing is weird because he had four targets, and again, they mm-hmm. didn't have the ball very much. So the Falcons didn't have the ball very much. Yeah. Um, I did see him in the previous games where, yeah, we're lining him up at fullback and having him run the wheel and doing some of these other things. Like, oh, that's how I want to see Kyle Pitts used. I don't like that wide receiver storyline. I like the idea that he's going to be this Swiss Army knife all across the, all around the uh, formation and all. But if you told me, well, he was blocking a lot, he was decoying a lot, that's one thing. The snap count thing is worrisome. It's something we don't know worrisome, and it's worth keeping an eye on. Yeah, so – Hopefully, I mean, if you drafted Kyle Pitts too, you're, there's probably not many option, better options out there just because of the way tight end is. So you kind of have to hold on to it and hope they get better. But at some point, it's one of those things too, you can't really, I don't know if you can really outright drop him until we get like, if we're 10 weeks into the season and he's still, you know, is having two catches a game um, just because he does have that talent and the, the potential to just go off. We saw it last year. But yeah, it just kind of have to. It's a wait and see thing with him, which really sucks to, to say. But that's uh, the way it is with Kyle Pitts right now. It seems so. We'll just we'll wait and see what happens. <laughs> but for go now, grab that, go grab that Taysom Hill tight end for the yeah. Saints. Go out and grab <laughs> him. So, yeah, see, he'll probably give you even more. For you never know when it's going to come, but, <laughs> but when it comes, it's gonna be good. <laughs> yeah. So we'll move on now to our best and worst coaching decisions of the week, uh, starting with our. Start with our best coaching decisions. I've got two of them this week. I was writing about one, and then there was another one that I, I saw that I didn't want to leave out. The first one is the big topic from the weekend. That's John Harbaugh choosing to go for it. Fourth and goal at the two, tied at 20 with 4.15 left in the game. It was actually not as high uh, in win probabilities as I thought it would be. It was 2.7% versus kicking the field goal. Buffalo's prior four drives were punt, Touchdown for 80 yards, field goal 51 yards, touchdown 76 yards. They'd been moving the ball uh, in that second half. A three-point lead still allows Buffalo to win with a touchdown. The touchdown makes them have to tie it. Failure typically ends up with the ball at the two-yard line. And Aaron actually had uh, tweeted or quote tweeted the, the comments from Harbaugh and made this point. Like 99 times out of 100, you fail, and the Buffalo starts at like the two or or something like that. But it was an interception, so it mm-hmm. gave Buffalo the ball at the 20. So that made it a little bit worse. But the decision there, I think, to go for it is is, is 100% the right decision mm-hmm. um, when you've got Josh – maybe not 100%, but you've got Josh Allen you know, on the other side right. uh, moving the ball well, like a touchdown. They could score a touchdown. You never never see the ball again with four minutes left. Um, I understand wanting to take the lead, but it's one of those kind of like you're taking a temporary lead that you know probably isn't going to gonna stick. Um, I think I have – like even if they kick the field goal – um, they would have only been at what was that number? I think they were still only at like fifty something percent chance to win uh, by kicking the field goal. So it's not like they go up to seventy percent to win that game. It's uh, or they're at sixty one if if they kick the field goal. So it's not like you're in the eighties and nineties um, percent wise. But I like the decision to go for it because I try and make them score a touchdown to force overtime instead of touchdown to beat you and then a field goal to force over to overtime uh, in that situation. What did you think about that? Hated it. I mean, I, I I get the numbers. And it's year two of explaining why the Ravens made the right choice at the goal line, because we did this about 40 times last year. And I, and I get it. The statistics are accurate. Third string left tackle. Rainy game. 
Okay. And mm-hmm. I, I, we do have the hindsight of knowing that the that the Bills did just charge right down the field and could have yeah. scored a touchdown at the end, almost certainly if they did. Just all of those things combined and the usual, hey, Hall of Fame kicker, so we don't have to worry about that element of things. Right. And I don't know if the 2% probability is worth all of the other factors that were going into right. play in that game. And also just in just the fact that this Ravens team does seem to have a problem converting at the goal line. They had a problem converting at the goal line against the Dolphins in week two. So they're going to say like gamblers paradox their way out of this and say, well, you know, one of these signs probability is going to be right. Or there's something systemic going wrong with the way you handle your goal line situations, which is a possibility. So I, I, I don't, I don't, obviously if you read walkthrough, I don't necessarily go to go to battle with about it, but I, I didn't love the call. Yeah, hundred agree. You know that it was closer. It said two point seven percent. I think I, I said so. Yeah. Uh, option to go either way, but uh, Harbaugh, we've seen him be aggressive, so not yeah. super surprising there. The other one, another guy we've seen be aggressive, and I wanted to give him uh, the credit here too, Brandon Staley, because he gets crushed when it fails. But yeah. I feel like, and a lot of these coaches too, they don't always get the credit when it works, unless it's a super highly controversial decision, like if Buffalo would have or Baltimore would have scored a touchdown. Uh, he would have gotten all all the credit there, but mm-hmm. the Texans made a furious comeback in this one yeah. uh, to cut it 27-24. I think they went touchdown, touchdown, field goal. Chargers had fourth and I saw it as fourth and one in one place, fourth and two in another place, but at their own 45, 523 left in the fourth quarter. They went for it, which was 3.8% higher win probability by choosing to go for it, and they converted, yeah. went on to score the touchdown to take a 10-point lead, and the rest is history. They win the game, and in that situation, if you fail – Houston's already close to the tying field goal range. I think Fairbairn missed a kick yesterday, but uh, he's he's been down a little bit. But we know he he is a, a decent, I guess, NFL kicker for uh, which isn't necessarily great. But still, they need you know twenty yards to get into a forty-ish yard field goal range, which isn't that isn't that difficult for most kickers. But they're also in position to get a game-winning touchdown, and. Even if they fail, if they do, you know, I think they still had – the Chargers still had two or three timeouts there, uh, five and at five minutes left. You can get a chance to get the ball back. If you punt the ball away, they go down and score a touchdown. You're most likely not going to have any time there. So I really like that decision, uh, even without uh, Rashawn Slater, uh, who they lost last week, uh, tackle. So choosing to go for it, converting, it paid off. And I think uh, I like, like the decision there from Brandon Staley, which wouldn't really expect anything less from him, it seems like. Right. Although, you know, he was weird early in the year. He wasn't going for those fourth and shorts. And now I'm guessing he's being more true to form. And again, that ruined my backdoor cover with the Texans. So I'm not thrilled about it. But that's a sign that it might have been the right call. Absolutely. So what what did you have as your best coaching decision this week? Had a couple of Eagles coaching decisions near the goal line. First, what that, first of which was another fourth down, I believe, at the three-yard line. They run a play. Jalen Hurts, it's officially listed as a scramble. I think it was somewhere between a scramble and first read and go type quarterback draw. He gets it into the end zone for the touchdown. Very strong play. Needed that at a time in the game. This was earlier in the game when the Jaguars were dominating to make sure that it doesn't become 14 to 3, 14 6, 14 10, those kind of things. That was a good call. Later, they get to the 12 yard line. Eagles get to the 12 yard line and it's fourth and one. And they run a quarterback sneak. Just a really standard streak with sneak with Hurts. Uh, Eagles fans will remember Dallas Goddard's like pushing Hertz from behind, like pushing him in like a, some sort of like 1920s high school game. Um, two opportunities there again against a very feisty opponent that was leading was very competitive at that point, And it helps the Eagles dictate on the ground. Good for probability gets them t- gets that game tied up and helps spur the Eagles comeback. 
Yeah, and that got down, I mentioned at the top, got down big in that one 14-0. It was looking yeah. a little rough for them, but uh, two, the two decisions that helped them come back and win that game and remain, I think, the last undefeated team. Is that right? Yes, the last yeah. undefeated team. That yeah, was them in Miami. Yep. So okay. good good for uh, uh, Sirianni, who actually finished very highly in our coach rankings last year as well as a rookie head coach. So keeping that moving forward. Moving on to our worst coaching decisions. I'll let you take this one first since I went first on the last one. Try and switch it up a little bit. Okay. Uh, Tennessee Titans. <laughs> I lost my train of thought there. Tennessee Titans, late in the game, Traylon Burks gets injured, and he stays in the game. Very weird sequence of events in which he's limping. Um, I believe it was a short yardage situation. He's limping up to the line of scrimmage, gets up to the line of scrimmage, and they actually run a play with what looks like a very significantly er- – injured Traylon Burks in the game. They have to take Burks out on the, uh, on the on the cart a couple of minutes later. And earlier in the game, there was another situation in which the the uh, the Titans mismatched the clock and they had to run their kick unit out there and the oh. backup guard trips over the the, the, the holder and it's, 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 it's this cluster hump and they don't get the kick off in time. And there's these weird fit and finish errors that I, that I don't associate with a Vrabel team. Like, you know, if Burks is hurt, he should know to go to the ground. He's an NFL player, college player, high school player. If you're hurt, go to the ground. You're going to get the clock stoppage so you can get somebody in who can help on the play. The idea that Vrabel doesn't spot this, none of his coaches spot this and do something to to kill that play so Burks doesn't get clocked. Weird things like that. Right now the Titans are 2-2. and That's fine. They beat a horrendous Colts team, whatever. Mm -hmm. They're, They're running out of guys. They can't risk further injuring their guys. They also can't leave three points on the table by making dumb things on field goal decisions. And that was just – it's just a sign that things aren't exactly the way they're supposed to be in Tennessee. Yeah, the one where, where he tripped was funny. I actually didn't see that yesterday. I saw it this morning on Good Morning Football, and they also showed the guy, uh, Garrett Bolas for the Broncos, on the, the Melvin Gordon fumble that was returned. Just like dive, puts his arms out, and then as his feet leaves the ground, pulls like his arms back in where he had no chance to get him, but didn't, didn't even fully stretch his arms out to right, try. Right. So there were some funny ones on there today. Oh, my and that, God. Yeah, the one on the Titans field goal was – was just was funny, but really disappointing if you're a Titans fan in that right. situation. My uh, worst decision is a but again a play call again coming from the edge sports background. This is one that's kind of a can be a little controversial, uh, but I've definitely looked at these things a lot differently having worked over here for the last few years now. This was overtime of the Green Bay New England game, uh, New England on the second possession, so they can get a field goal to win it. Fourth and five at the Green Bay 46, choose to punt. This was actually our biggest error of the week. You're punting back to Rodgers, only needing a field goal. Even with your third-string quarterback, you know, Bailey Zappi, you you have to go for it there, give yourself a chance uh, to convert that and then get on to make a field goal or keep going down to get a touchdown, something. But choosing to punt there and just give the ball back, and we saw what Rodgers did. It was a great drive at the end of the game to get them down to basically the five-yard line. Uh, one Rodgers isn't necessarily, I don't think, known as a a Brady or a Mahomes where you kind of expect him to always make that drive. We saw it in the the game against the 49ers last year. Sometimes does struggle uh, in those uh, clutch situations, but this is one you're just giving it right back to him, uh, letting him go. And I was I was happy with it as a Packers fan, uh, <laughs> but disappointed from uh, from what I do and and looking at it from our point of view. Yeah, that's the NHL team in the 80s playing for the tie and to get the point. And that's kind of what 
I, it's almost what was going through a Belichick's mind. And you're right. I mean, I would pause because, oh, my God, it is my third string quarterback, et cetera, et cetera. But if you're playing to win, you got this far. What do you have in the playbook? You have a halfback pass. Do you have razzle dazzle? Do you have, you know, anything? You know, the the the, 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 the wide receiver screen is a terrible play. But if that's what you think you're going to do to go with this, mm-hmm. rather die with your boots on, take that opportunity. And, you know, the Patriots failed to do it. Yeah, the Packers had one too. That was a little, that was, I think our second or third, but it was definitely even more kind of a controversial one where it was at the end of the game, like two minutes left. They had fourth and eight at the New England 40 and took a delay a game and punted. And it was, you know, a 58 yard field goal. That's Crosby's career long. That was all the way back in like 2013 or something. He's made a couple 57 yarders over the years since then, but it's a long field goal for him. But even, you know, going for it, you know, you punt the ball, you gain. 30 yards, it's really not a ton. You know, uh, if you give them the ball back at their own 40, you still have, you know, Bailey Zappi at quarterback. Uh, <laughs> and it's a Patriots team who, who isn't really that good. Uh, so that was one, but it, it's a fourth and eight. It's a little bit tougher. Um, but it was still one of our top top of our worst decisions as well. Yeah, And I don't hate the idea of taking the third string quarterback and trying to put him at the four-yard line. Exactly. Yeah, I wasn't so – a little bit of logic that. for that, yeah. Yeah, it would have would have been okay if they went for it, especially if they got it. But yeah, I was was one when I saw that on our numbers, I was surprised it was a little bit higher. It was as high as it was. Yeah. Um, but knowing knowing how the model works and uh, how good it is, yeah, I'm like that's that's not surprising that it's on here though. So yeah. a couple of them, but Green Bay got the win. Uh, Belichick not surprising to see him go a little bit more conservative, especially with a, a third string quarterback there. But that is it for the worst coaching decisions, and that also. Does it for our recap show of week four. Before we log off, just again, I want to remind you to yeah, go on to footballoutsiders.com slash subscribe. Sign up for FO+. You can get access to all of the stats a day early, uh, all the advanced statistics. You get access to premium stats and articles, NFL picks every week, both against the spread and straight up. Uh, a lot of good stuff, fantasy rankings as well. Uh, don't forget about our Discord channel as well, uh, that we are on live during the games tonight on Thursday and then as well on Sundays. And then don't forget about that underdog promo. Get you a, get yourself a free $100 using promo code OUTSIDERS at underdogfantasy.com or download the Underdog app. Mike, pleasure as always. We will see you uh, next week. Yeah, absolutely. Go Cooper Cup. Don't go Matthew Stafford. See everybody next week.